Now, around about this time, I normally would be saying, please feel free to take your seats, but most of you are probably sat at, at home on a nice comfy sofa with a cup of coffee, and you're already doing that, aren't you? So I won't do that. Well, we've had some great weather, haven't we, over the, uh, over the summer, and for all the challenges of COVID, at least, we've been able, during that period, to actually get outside, and some of us, or maybe even most of us, are feeling quite smug and pretty good about the way our gardens are looking right now. But this past week or past couple of weeks, things have been a little bit different, haven't we? The weather has changed. It's not been particularly cold or raining or anything like that. But in terms of the storms and the gales, those have been quite incredible. It's hard to keep a window open at night without it suddenly blowing open. And indeed, if you've, uh, if you've been sort of like uh, opening a car door or something, instead of that gradual, gradual, if you're not careful, that whole door is going to suddenly be blowing uh, open. I'm sure you've had experiences like that. Storms can catch us out in an instant, can't they? We've already had one here this morning. You probably noticed I introduced a video and it didn't appear. That's because I simply didn't tell the guys at the back. It was handwritten, my fault. A storm that they've encountered, they weren't expecting it. So let's just assume that we built that in quite deliberately. So we've already experienced a storm here this morning. We can't, of course, do anything about those storms either, can we? We don't know when they're going to come. And we can't fully tell the impact of those storms until they occur. Words within the songs that we've already sung. One line said this, you are my peace in the troubled sea. And the second song, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. May that be our own testimony. COVID, of course, has meant that we felt that we're largely feeling out of control hasn't it? There are certain things that we can do, yes, regarding hands, face, space and everything else, but the impact of this invisible power is really becoming quite frightening for many people. They think it's all over. You may well remember the the, uh, World Cup commentary, the infamous commentary by Kenneth Walston, who then added when Jeff Hurst scored the final goal, it is now. But of course, in terms of COVID, it isn't all over at all. And it may even be that the worst is yet to come. We'll have to see, won't we? God understands our world, our insecurities, our weariness, our tiredness, and all of that in the context, too, of what you and I might be facing or indeed fearing of what's been termed a second lockdown. In the midst of the storm, we need to know that Jesus is Lord. We don't get why God doesn't always remove that storm and he won't always remove or change the circumstances that we face. We're not robots, but we, he will come to where we are to bring both his, pre, both his peace and uh, his love and presence in the middle of the storm, our own storm, whatever that may well be. We're going to be looking at a familiar story of Jesus calming the storm. And James is going to come and read to that, uh, that to us shortly now. As he does that, why not reflect on maybe the storms that you're going through or maybe about to go through in your own life? This, uh, this, uh, the author from the account that, um, that James is going to read from in Mark's Gospel, Mark uh, in, himself as author and others, Use this story as one of the pointers to conclude that Jesus has to be the son 
of God. But it speaks so poignantly, I think, as to how we can know God's power and presence right in the middle of the storm that we may well feel as a nation that we're facing right now. If only we'll take that crucial step of indeed trusting him. Even in the middle of the storm, whatever that may well be. Could be a family crisis. Could well be a health issue. It could well be fears over money. Whatever it is, let's be open to what God might have us hear from him this morning. I'm going to invite James to come forward now who's going to be reading uh, to us. If you've got a Bible, if you can grab hold of one, it's from Mark chapter 4. So, James, over to you. Thank you, Roger. Um, So the reading today is from Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. That evening, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the east side. So they left the crowd and his disciples started across the lake with him in the boat. Some other boats followed along. Suddenly, a storm struck the lake. Waves started splashing into the boat and it was about to sink. Jesus was in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow, and he was asleep. His disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Jesus got up and ordered the wind and the waves to be quiet. The wind stopped and everything was calm. Jesus asked his disciples, Why were you afraid? Don't you have any faith? Now they were more afraid than ever. And said to each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thank you, James. Mark's account is clearly written by someone who was there, isn't it? Hence the somewhat banal uh, detail. It was evening. They left the crowd behind. There were other boats. Jesus slept on a cushion. We don't know what colour it was or whether it was stripy or with pink dots on it. But lots of detail. It's an historical account. But what was God saying to us through his word? When we read what the Bible says, we need to ask ourselves that question. What is the spiritual truth here for me. God, what do you want to say to me through this? We've been thinking about storms. As we think about storms, they obviously relate to our day of remembering. We're going to pause as Tabitha leads us in a time of reflection and remembering about this day that we call Remembrance Sunday. Tabitha. Good morning. Um, My name is Tabitha, and I'm going to be leading us in a short time of reflection as we approach 11 o'clock. We will then join with others around the country and across the Commonwealth as we mark two minutes of silence. Although we cannot be together today, I hope that wherever you are, whether you are alone or with others this morning, that you can join with us in this act of remembrance. If possible, set all other distractions aside and let us focus our minds on what it is we are remembering today. Remembrance Sunday is the day when we commemorate the contribution of British and Commonwealth military and civilian servicemen and women 
in two world wars and in later conflicts. Remembrance honours those who serve to defend our democratic freedoms and our way of life. We also remember the many innocent civilians who have lost their lives in conflict and in acts of terrorism. This year, there will be no national act of remembrance at the Cenotaph. It's not possible for communities to gather together in person to mark this day. But in times of upheaval and disruption to public life, it becomes even more important to preserve these milestone moments of joining together and remembering together. During the current global pandemic, metaphors of war have been frequently employed. Healthcare workers are said to be on the front line. The virus is the enemy to contain and defeat. The casualties are heavy. As in times of war, many people who have died in the course of serving others, nurses, paramedics, doctors, midwives, porters, cleaners, bus drivers, care home staff, to name but a few. We cannot help feeling moved by the stories of those who have given their lives in the service of others and those who have considered the greater good before their own. If you think about it, at the heart of virtually every epic film, every classic novel and every fairy tale is the theme of love demonstrated through sacrifice. This theme resonates with us because each story of sacrifice echoes the greater story of the ultimate sacrifice, the death of Jesus in our place, to rescue us from sin, death and separation from God. So in our act of remembrance today, we do not seek to glorify any element of war, but instead we acknowledge that the root of war is the sin within the human heart. The Russian novelist and philosopher Alexander Solzhenitsyn summed it up like this. The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. When talking to his disciples, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus laid down his life, not just for his friends, but also for his enemies. As Paul says in Romans chapter 5, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So today we will join together in our act of remembrance, holding these thoughts in our minds and holding before God the memory of all of those who've given their lives in acts of service. So if you're watching at home or if you are in the building here, if you are able to stand, you may wish to do so now as we prepare to observe two minutes of silence. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, 
nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. If you've been standing, please feel free to sit as we now move into a time of prayer. This morning I've chosen the words from Psalm 46 to begin our time of prayer. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Almighty God, thank you that you are always present with us. Through wars, pandemics, terrorist threats, political upheaval, economic crises, and all the storms of life, you remain the same and you are our fortress. We confess to you the ways we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We are sorry for the ways that we have sinned against you and against our fellow human beings. We collectively acknowledge the way that we contribute, through our own sin, to the sum total of man's inhumanity to man. Thank you that you have not chosen to leave us as we are, but that you have pursued us in love, giving Jesus to die for us in order to restore us to life in all its fullness. Father God, we ask for your help on behalf of those who are struggling with the reality of this second lockdown. For those who have lost their jobs or who are in financial difficulty. For those who do not know when or even whether they will see their loved ones again. For those who live with daily fear and anxiety. Please give your comfort and peace to each one who reaches out to you. Lord, may your spirit renew our hope, strength and desire for you in the weeks and months to come. Ignite in us a new passion to seek your face and to read your word. May we hold fast to your word as the only solid rock in shifting sands. To borrow a phrase from Tolkien, may it be to us a light in dark places when all other lights go out. On this Remembrance Sunday, as we remember those who have served, fought and died in times of war, we also pray for those who continue to serve in the armed forces. We pray for those who live with the scars of war and trauma, both physical and mental. For those with post-traumatic stress disorder and life-changing injuries. And for the family members who support them. 
At this time, we are thinking more than usual about the risk of death from illness. We name before you in a moment of quiet all those known to us who are ill, dying or recently bereaved. Please help us to remember our firm and solid hope that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And we conclude our prayers with the words from Romans chapter 8, taken from the New Life Version. Who can keep us from the love of Christ? Can trouble or problems? Can suffering wrong from others or having no food? Can it be because of no clothes or because of danger of war? I know that nothing can keep us from the love of God. Death cannot, life cannot, angels cannot, leaders cannot, any other power cannot. Hard things now or in the future cannot. The world above or the world below cannot. Any other living thing cannot keep us away from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Again, I'm tempted to say, would you please sit down, but you probably already are. Okay, Uh, now in shot you've got here Chris and Helen. Now Chris and Helen have been uh, with us for a variety of weeks, a number of weeks now, which has been great. Now I've got written down in front of me that Chris, you are the Principal of Proclamation Institute of Zambia. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, get a little bit closer to the microphone so everybody at uh, at home can, uh, can see you and hear you. Tell us what on earth that is. And then next to that, what are you guys doing here? Okay. Uh, Yeah, so Proclamation Institute Zambia is uh, quite a new Bible college in Zambia. Um, You you may or may not know that the church in Africa is is growing at a a very fast rate, much quicker than um, they can train people to to pastor, to teach, etc., to plant churches and so on. So um, Proclamation Institute Zambia is a a little bit of um, a very broad effort to try and make sure there are more more places where people can be well-trained so that churches can be well-looked after. Okay, so that's what you're doing out there. What brought you back, not just yourselves, but also Joshua, Reuben and Rebecca? One out of three is here, so well done, uh, Rebecca, for being here. So what's brought you back and where are you at in terms of being brought back to us? Okay, so um, we had planned to spend a couple of months back in the UK anyway this year. um, And then, of course, coronavirus happened. Um, My mum lives nearby and um, she's not particularly well. So we were concerned uh, that she would be appropriately looked after and we didn't know all the ins and outs that the virus would bring so we came back a little bit early which we were pleased we did because our flights then got cancelled and then we were planning to go back at the beginning of September but um, the virus then got worse in Zambia and so we ended up um, not being able to get back to Zambia because of health insurance reasons Um, that's now been sorted out i think yeah um and so um we've got health insurance now we're looking to book tickets and that should happen by well we should be flying hopefully by the first or second week of december so in terms of the time that you spent with us, obviously, it's Chris, we got to know each other quite well, which has been great uh, when we were allowed to go to Weatherspoons for a cup of coffee. Helen, you've been at home. What have you been up to and what have the kids been up to? Oof, okay. Um, so 
like I guess a lot of people during lockdown, I've been teaching the kids at home, or trying to teach the kids at home, which isn't a new thing for us. We were doing that in Zambia already anyway, so in some senses it's not been too much of a change for us. In fact, it's probably been easier here with good internet and resources available and electricity electricity, yeah Um, that helps (laughs) Um, so yeah doing that but I have also spent a little bit of time still um, on whatsapp with um, a ladies bible study group in Zambia trying to help lead bible studies via whatsapp as well well, we've been trying to do stuff which has been difficult in our own country, in our own town. No idea what it's like across the waters at all. Now, in terms of our theme today of, of being, how can we face the storms? Does anything come to mind in your own lives as to a storm that you faced or you are facing and, and how you've managed to face that at all? I think the last two years have been quite a storm. <laughs> <laughs> so actually two years today, we arrived in Zambia. Okay. Um, and it's... Give us an illustration. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that was hard. <laughs> She's pointing at me because I found it a lot harder than she did. Um, Helen has the advantage of having um, spent the first eight years of her life in Nigeria um, and then a year in Tanzania when she was 18 and various other things. So she was more experienced in Africa than I was and in living um, in another country. Myself personally and then Joshua, our eldest, we both found arriving in Zambia really hard um, for all sorts of reasons. Um, and the, the, the Bible uses that the metaphor of the storm for the, the difficulties of life often uh, and um, it, it really is how it feels sometimes you feel like um, you need to wake Jesus up and say don't you care if we drown mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there were times I have to say there were times when it, it was so hard and yet at the same time the Lord felt so close and I would, I would be praying and then I'd be opening my Bible to, to do whatever my Bible reading was for that day. And it was almost as if Jesus was sat next to me answering my prayers from my, my daily Bible reading. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, life can throw you un- unexpected things. I wasn't expecting to find it that hard. I'd made several trips to Zambia before. Um, I think looking forward, we're, we're both feeling a little bit anxious about the return and what that will mean for us and so on. Yeah. Um, and so um, we're praying. And we're reading in that the case, we'll, we will also pray with you, and we'll do that right now. And we'll Thank include you. Rebecca in that and Joshua and Reuben uh, as well, if they're up there. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for Chris and Helen and for their heart to serve you and to communicate something of your truth to people who need to hear. We thank you, Lord, for their honesty about some of the storms that they faced on the way. And yet we thank you, too, for your faithfulness and the sense of your presence in the storm. We might not only always feel that, but we thank you that your word is true. Help us to hold on to you, even as indeed we realize as we look back that you have indeed been the one to hold on to ourselves. Pray for Joshua, for Reuben. And for Rebecca as well, for all the anxiety or different things that may well be going through their minds as they go back in a few weeks' time. May they be uh, so acutely aware of that Jesus that was able to calm the storm is also able to, to bring a sense of calm into their own lives right where they are. Bless this dear family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Thanks ever so much, guys. Bless you.
Fantastic. Thanks ever so much, Chris and Helen, for sharing uh, that. Now, community kids, that's what we call our group of young children that meet here, uh, young and older children, actually. So if that's you, this is your opportunity to watch us. Claire, one of our leaders, has got a message for you based on that passage from Mark chapter 4. So you can talk about this as a family as well uh, afterwards. So watch this video clip first as Claire is going to be speaking right to you. Hi community kids, I'm Claire. So today's story from the Bible is all about a huge storm. Jesus and some of his friends are out on a boat and they get caught in this storm. It's made me think a lot about storms and there's certainly been a storm recently um, in Dorset. We've had our fences in the garden knocked out down by the strong wind and we've had a couple of occasions this week where we have been caught in uh, a huge rainstorm on the way to school. Jack had forgotten his coat on one occasion, so that was a bit of a problem. The storms are messy. They mess stuff up. The wind knocks things down. And the rain catches us unaware and gets us all soaking wet. And the other thing about storms is they can be really scary. So I had um, a really bad night's sleep earlier in the week because the thunder was keeping me awake. And it made me start thinking about all the things that I was worried about and that I was scared about. And I think that storms, physical storms that we can see, that we can feel the wind and we can feel the rain, are quite like some of the other storms that we meet in our lives. I want you to have a think about what storms you might have in your life. And what I mean by that is things that can make you scared or mess stuff up. So that might be people being unkind at school. It might be having to miss birthday parties because of lockdown. It might be all sorts of things that are out of our control that happen to us that mess stuff up and make us scared. Now in the story, uh, Jesus and his friends were on the boat and it, it was really scary and the waves were really massive and they were in a situation where things were out of their control. They couldn't do anything about it. Um, and they were really frightened. They called out for help and they asked Jesus to help. And he calmed that storm. And that's exactly the same for us in our lives. When things are happening to us that are out of our control, that are messing stuff up, that are knocking the fences down in the garden, or um, upsetting us or hurting us or making us frightened, Jesus can calm the storm and we can ask him to help us as Dave was telling us a couple of weeks ago we can we can pray to him we can ask um, Dave was asking for him to be saved by the tiger but we can ask uh, Jesus to help us in any of those things that we're facing in our lives that are messing things up or are making us scared I'm going to leave you with uh, a picture that is in my favorite book at the moment um, it's a picture that's drawn by Charles Maxey. And it reminds us that after the storm, uh, things can be calm. And in another part of the Bible, God gave us a promise with a rainbow that he would look after us and keep us safe. And
and I think it's a really important time to remember that after the storm, often there is a rainbow, a, a picture or a, an image of to help us remember that after the storm, there can be happiness and things can be calm and peaceful again. Thanks for listening to me and I'll see you all soon. Bye. Thank you so much, Claire. Fantastic. What's the best thing about storms? That they end. Let's hold on to that. What's the best thing about storms? That they end. Today is a day about remembering. So let's remember that. Back to our passage in Mark chapter 4. Mark tells us that Jesus has the disciples take him in their boat and to set out for the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then the storm comes up. Now, the Sea of Galilee is actually a sea, it's a lake, but it's not a small tiddly lake, neither is it one of the massive, 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 massive lakes, but nonetheless, it's still a fairly large lake. But what makes this lake so dangerous is the terrain surrounding the lake. The surrounding mountains serve as a funnel for storms. Winds rushing down the sides of the mountains hit the cooler waters of the lake and pick up tremendous energy. It's not unusual for there to be 30-foot waves to be generated by the Sea of Galilee. So imagine being in that small boat out on the lake when one of those storms suddenly hits. Now, when I read that, that sense of there being the potential for 30-foot waves, that gave me a, a fresh insight into how it must have been for these disciples. The bigger the storm, the bigger the test of our own faith. Isn't that true? There are four things I want us to consider today as we look uh, at this uh, passage It would be helpful if I had the Bible up the right way around, for starters, wouldn't it? Four things that I believe that God wants to impress upon our own hearts. may well be that just one of these points is something that we can take home uh, with us. Remember I said earlier that this, uh, this event, this occasion, didn't just happen, and I believe it did, but it's also God's word for the likes of you and me. Relevant for every people group across the world for every course of time. Here's the first thing. The first thing is this. This passage would suggest that we trust what Jesus says. Well, how easy is that? Well, I guess it's easier when things are going well. Wouldn't that be true? Trust, though, should not be dependent on our circumstances. When Jesus says, let's go over to the other side of the lake, what he's meaning is, you know, guys, we are going to go over to the other side of the lake. We are going to get there and there is going to be nothing that is going to stop us. That sense of destination could relate to our own lives. Jesus initiates, we go where he leads, we're on a journey, there are rough bits, storms, we're shaky, now we have the fears of COVID and all of that kind of stuff, the implication of lockdown too, but Jesus says that he's going to see us through to the other side. If only we'll trust him and stay in the boat. He's always the one who is able to bring a sense of calm in the storm. Even if we feel he may well be distant. Even if we feel that this Jesus is asleep. That God is maybe not there. 
So let's trust him. The disciples accepted what Jesus said, even believed in him, until they were overtaken by these awful circumstances around them. Now, I'm not at all uh, uh, posting any blame upon how they responded, because when I read about 30-foot waves this week, would I have been any different if those waves would have been a foot or two foot or three foot uh, uh, high? What about you? What about me? Let's trust what Jesus says with his help, no matter what. Maybe you remember the encounter elsewhere in scripture of the dad who had this direct encounter with Jesus, but he was honest enough to say, Lord, I do believe, uh, but help me overcome my unbelief. That sense of inner tension. And don't we, uh, doesn't doesn't that resonate with each of us? Certainly I I connect with that dad. Yes, I do believe, uh, but help me with the wobbly bits that occur from time to time. Trust what Jesus says. Secondly, trust that Jesus is with you. When things go wrong, our faith can seem rocky. Where are you, God? Or more specifically here, as as Chris has already alluded to, don't you care if we drown? The disciples' cry is the ultimate cry of fear, of doubt, and of abandonment. Repeated often in the stories of God's people, as for example in, in the Psalms. Where is My God in the midst of my distress. Has God abandoned his people? It's a cry repeated in so many ways in the midst of terrors and distresses of our world today. If God is so great and so powerful a creator, if he really cares about this world, then why then do these events in our world occur? And why do these things in my own life happen or go wrong? Or so badly go pear-shaped. The ready response that we may well feel our minds concluding is that either this God hasn't really got that power. Or he has, but he doesn't really care about me and what I'm going through right now. Our shouts can feel as if they're often falling on deaf ears, can't they? We feel as if our God, too, is asleep. Jesus is still with us during those times regardless of whether or not we feel him there or not. Those waves swept over the boat. Lord, save us, we're going to drown. That was what we read in Matthew chapter 8, the parallel uh, passage. That was Matthew's angle. The cry amounts to prayer, a prayer for deliverance. And it's immediately and directly answered. Jesus does not chastise or reason with their fears, Maybe they needed the kind of reassurance that we can get way back in Isaiah chapter 43. Remember a time in my previous church where these words were driven home to me at a time when I really needed to hear them. God says these words, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Is that what you need to hear today? Be thankful that during such times we have a God that we can indeed go to. What are those with no faith? Maybe those who refuse to believe in the supernatural or in the miraculous. Well, there is no hope. There's nowhere else to go. We have a God that we can go to. Trust what Jesus says, but trust that this Jesus is with you right now, even if you feel in the midst of really quite an incredible storm. But thirdly, 
Trust that Jesus is in control. The disciples were clearly not in control, were they? And who can blame them? The storm was not unusual for Galilee, so they would have known exactly how to react. They were experienced on that water. Despite knowing this, despite being strong butch men, they were not in control. And don't we hate that? When so often we want to be the ones that are in control. We want to feel in control, but sometimes we aren't. And then we feel so vulnerable, insecure. As if a storm is brewing, and and often it is. And sometimes that storm also kind of um, clashes with the sense of our own faith and where that fits and how the two can go together. Like the, the tension between faith and fear that we see here that we'll come on to in a few moments' time. Jesus, however, he remained in full control. He didn't need to press the snooze button or panic into action. Mark chapter 4 says that he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And we were talking at Cafe Church yesterday about this passage and somebody from the group said, what was the response of the other boats that were in and around at the time? I'd not thought about that. What a testimony for there to be calm amidst the storm. And of course, we can bear testimony to this calm that he's able to bring in our own storm. Let's be open to God to use us in that way. Sometimes that sense of completely being calm only comes when we realize that we're not God. We're then not in control and it forces us back upon him. How do you feel about lockdown two, about this second wave, about the potential for this to be even more catastrophic than the first? We hate not being in control of these things, don't we? So much seems to be out of our control. Then trust the one who is, who sees the bigger picture. Jesus appears to issue a a form of rebuke once all is come. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Two open questions. One can only imagine how those disciples may well have responded. There are times when we need that sense of directness, I believe, from God's word. As well as a reminder of that uh, evident clash that there can be between faith and fear. I'm wondering if whether or not that's one of the battles that you may well be facing today. Are you aware of that battle within? It's not that we're not believing that God is not there, but we're struggling with our faith that we're wanting to hold on to. But the bigger the storm, the harder and the tougher that is. And then COVID comes and knocks us sideways and we're then wondering. There are nearly 49,000 in the UK who have died of COVID. That's a pretty big storm for ourselves as a nation to deal with. How is our faith going to be if that number were to grow to being nearly 149,000 people dead? How is our faith going to be If that one becomes a four and it's 449,000 or was to grow to a million or beyond. 
The kind of picture that we get in our minds is of that growing sense of storm, like the growing sense of the waves that we read about back in Mark chapter 4. The bigger the storm, the tougher it is to cling on to our faith. Are we going to then put those things that we've already thought about into practice? I am going to trust what Jesus says. I am going to trust that this Jesus is with me. I am going to trust that this Jesus is in control. Or is there going to come a time when the storm is too big and we can't do that anymore? Truth is truth regardless of the storm that we may well have to face. I want to share something with you that's quite difficult for me to share from a message that I received last night. The church here will know that a very good friend of mine uh, had a massive heart attack and we didn't know which way that was going to go and that has been completely numbing uh, for me. Uh, I worked with this guy for 10 years. I've known him for nearly 25. He's an amazing guy. I received this at 7 o'clock last night. Hi, Roger. This will be very difficult to read for you. This is the update that is planning to be said at the end of our own service tomorrow. It's becoming clearer as the days have passed that Gordon doesn't have long to live. He's being well cared for by the palliative care team. Gordon's family are so grateful for all the prayer and for all the love and care that they've been shown. This has been and is hideously hard and uh, and we ask for some privacy at this time. In all of this, we can all be confident and secure in the fact that nothing can ever separate us from God's love and we're trusting Gordon into God's safe keeping. Amidst the storm, there was that sense of holding on to a verse that's already been shared earlier about God's love never leaving us. I thought that was so poignant. Whatever the pain may well be of what's ahead for that family, that was what I received at 7 o'clock last night. I have to confess, I went upstairs, I, I felt completely numbed. I'm going through, highlighting at that time that I got the text, my own notes for today. And our title, How Can We Face the Storms? That faith versus fear resonated with me. At 8 o'clock this morning, I received this from his dear wife Janice. It's with great sadness, Roger, that I have to let you know that the hospital phoned late last night to say that Gordon had passed away peacefully. We're still trying to take this in. We know that God's love surrounds us as he welcomes Gordon. If there was a storm last night that hit me, the waves grew bigger today as I feel for Janice, for their kids, Neil, Andy and Lindsay, and for that message that has to be given right now to their church, my previous church. But with God's grace, my hope and prayer for me, as well as that family, and as well as you, as you've probably been drawn in to feel my own pain, because this is real, this is right now, is this. Trust what Jesus says. Trust that Jesus is with you. Trust that Jesus is in control. 
And lastly, trust this Jesus as your Lord. There is nothing that is more important. That is the response sought from Mark as he is quoting the disciples' question here. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. There's a sense of awe in that very moment. How would we think that we would have reacted? Or how would you have reacted? Would we have sung, sung maybe, oh, for he's a jolly good fellow? I don't think so. The response of the disciples to that immediate calm was that we read that they were terrified in verse 41. It's the same word that's used of the way that the shepherds responded when that angelic host appeared before them. And we're going to be shortly celebrating that as we think about uh, the Christmas uh, story, aren't we? Those shepherds, again, big butch men, they were terrified when God was in the midst. God was certainly in the midst through the person and power of Jesus' presence in this account in Mark chapter 4. But they were terrified. They were in the presence of someone who was more than a man. And they knew it. That's why. And wherever you may well be watching and listening to this right now, you are also in his presence. May this act this morning, this day, as a reminder to you to this end. The reader is certainly not forced to believe. They are invited Faith is always invited, as with the parables. Who is this? And what matters most is what your and my response to that is. We worship the same Jesus. Do you believe that this happened? Would you like to follow him? Today we've called Remembrance Day. It's a day when we, re- when we remember those who willingly gave of their lives as a sacrifice for others. People like you and for me. And we're grateful and it's right that we mark that. This can also be a special day when we're reminded and we remember again the ultimate sacrifice that this Jesus who calmed the storm died for the likes of you and me as punishment for your wrongdoing and indeed for mine. There's a song that we sometimes sing which has in it these words, he gave his life that we might live. The song, if you want to look it up, is the servant king. This is our God, our servant king. Trust Jesus as your Lord. How do we do that? Maybe you're watching this and you're thinking about that for the very first time. There's much that I could unpack, but I want to say just three things that we use here from time to time and say is as simple as ABC. The A is that there is something to admit, to admit that we're not perfect. We've done wrong. We don't even come up to our own standards, let alone God's. We are in need of God's forgiveness. Admit that you need his help and forgiveness. The B is to believe that this Jesus came to this world for the likes of you and me. And with love, those outstretched arms on the cross were there to embrace you. If only you'll come to him to believe that he gave his life so that you and I might have that opportunity to indeed live. Not just in this life, but the life beyond. Eternal life that my good friend is enjoying right now. And the sea is there being something to commit. That willingness to not just think of Jesus in terms of saviour, but you know what, Jesus? 
I am going to make you my Lord. You're the one who's going to call the shots. I am here and now going to make a decision to commit my life to you. A, B, C. If you'd like to know more about that, do drop us a line as you make contact with us through our homepage. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we're going to pause. Where just where you are, you can give of yourselves afresh to God. That you might indeed trust what Jesus says, that he is with you. He is in control and that you seek to make him your Lord. And as an expression of our response through worship, Martin is going to then lead us with a song that's called Build My Life, where the words say, I will put my trust in you alone. Whatever storm might come our way. And I've shared one for me and one for a family, very good friends of mine. But the words say, and I will not, be shaken. Let's make this our prayer. Today. Right now.